0: Putting the human back into technology with Gethin Ellis and Mark Williams. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Fit Podcast. Here at Gethin Ellis.com, whilst we know physical fitness is essential, our mental health is vital too and our Fit Podcast is all about putting the human back into technology. One thing we can probably all agree on is the last year or so has been unprecedented. So we wanted to seek out the views of technology leaders, business owners, consultants and many others from a range of different businesses and organisations. To discuss with them the impacts on their business, on their people and on their technology and how they see the future unfolding. So without further ado, I'll introduce you to episode nine where we speak to David Richards. So welcome everybody to the uh, ninth episode of Putting the Human Back Into Technology podcast. This week, Mark and I are joined by our special guest, David Richards, whose company is called Talk About Value. You can probably see it in the background there, but welcome David. Thank you for joining us. Ah, oh, thanks very
1: much for uh, inviting me, Gethin. Good
0: to be you, pal. Do, do we need to tell? Do we need to tell our guests, our, our audience, Mark, that you and uh,
1: you we and have you history? Is the way, way we're other. saying? It. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the
0: right thing. <laughs> yeah, so, long uh, history. <laughs> Interesting
1: history, isn't it? Nineteen ninety-one, I think, isn't it, Mark?
0: <laughs> oh, I was, I, 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 I was just about to start uh, high school in nineteen ninety-one. Oh, shut up anyway i digress um david welcome to the show thank you for joining us um, mark and i tend to alternate the questions and as our regular listeners will know that uh, we sometimes get muddled up and uh, we go off on some tangents but we'll do try to sort of keep to the theme but the first question is a nice easy one just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do what your job is what your business is okay
1: so about three years ago i set up my own um consultancy and it focuses on the area of value okay you know the hint is in the the name of the the company it's about helping corporates mainly to understand how they can in effect sell on using their value rather than on price in a nutshell Um, so rather than getting into discounting models or trying to price lower than the competition it's about understanding what you can do better and then being able to communicate that to your customers in the way that they understand and actually they they can really use because fundamentally if you look at the way that businesses work um, and I guess the stuff that we do as individuals is we the objective of what we're trying to do is to make the company we're working for more effective or more efficient than they were before they engaged with us yeah the benefit of that is we get a salary out of it and we can charge what we want but fundamentally if we can't demonstrate that their business will be better in some way in the future because of using our services, um, they won't want to place uh, their businesses with us or they'll knock us down on price because they can't see why they should pay you money in the first place. So my business is about working with companies to understand what they think they're doing. They're typically companies that saying, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't grow in a particular area or I'm not specialized enough in an area or I don't know how to communicate that. Yeah. and then I help them really clarify how they can charge what they're worth so they can increase the if you like the customer's willingness to pay for their services above what they're currently doing so if they decided for example that they wanted to increase their prices rather than just sending out a note to say right I'm putting all my prices up by 10% they could put some justification behind that to explain why that is a no-brainer as opposed to the client and make it a positive thing rather than the client thinking, oh, the prices have gone up.
0: And I don't yeah. understand why. Yeah. You should, pro- you should probably talk to Barclays. I'm sure Mark would have uh, <laughs> a few things, to, uh, yeah. a few things well, to say about Barclays. But, but I but, have had a right moment about them in the last couple of days my business it, 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 it's, 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 it's interesting concept, that the, the sort of value thing, because it is, it is quite an important deal. Because if you're competing on price generally, you're probably on the race to the bottom. You, 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 you are. You, 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 you're not going to survive too long you're not going to you're not going to get any any worth from your work um no and absolutely right and
1: and I'm not saying it's not a it's not a strategy you can have a strategy but it's got to be done in a particular way and you've got to realize that if you start to lower prices or discount heavily then the likelihood is that in some medium term position that model will be unsustainable however if you start like with with us guys i don't know if you found this at the start but we generally underprice ourselves as we learn what value we offer our customers and then after a period of a year we look around at the figures and say oh this doesn't really stack up yeah, i need yeah. to increase my prices and and rather than um just do it randomly the process is that you can justify that mm-hmm. so you can say to a say to a client you know here are the outcomes i expect this is what I can do to help you deliver them. I'm charging this rate. And if you work it all out, then actually I'm very, I'm very inexpensive Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's that benefit cost rate, you know,
2: yeah. equation. when we, um, I mean, obviously we've communicated on and off over the years, David, you and I, haven't we We're usually about rugby or or, or or kids or whatever, but um, um, I genuinely, when um we started getting back in touch more on on the business front, which was probably not that long after you set up again. You know, three years ago. I didn't realize it was three years ago actually. Yeah. Um. But but I, I was genuinely interested. Okay. So how, how do you go about doing what you do? So I want to. I'm going to ask the second question, um. But I'm going to sort of paraphrase it a little bit. I, I I'm sitting here. I'm the great I'm educated in this. You know, in 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 this in this topic area, um, perhaps. Um. And I'm thinking. Okay. So somebody would have would have um, got David in because they they just know that they need to do this better and they need to they need to sell on value not on price and so on and forth then you'll go into a room of people and there'll be a bunch of people sitting here salesmen probably uh, marketeers sitting in there and, and they'll be wanting to present to you as soon as they possibly can rather than listen just to you know, yeah, yeah. throw in a different you know different angle on this so I imagine that that you know because I know you and through and through the way uh, the way you are, the way your personality is and you know and and, and how much gravitas you've got. But you that historically you would have been able to go into a room, sit people down. And have a good old chat with them if you like and i don't mean that in a loose way but a good good proper chat with them and, and bob's your uncle you know, you, you know you'll have um you'll have a gig for however long that, that gig lasts so yep. in the context of the last year or so whether that what, what i've said is right or wrong, i'm genuinely interested in how you go about doing your business and i think you know a lot of our listeners will be and and, and if and how that's changed and how it's imp- been impacted over the last 15 months or so
1: it has um most of my work is through word of mouth frankly um it's 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 building on relationships i have and then sharing new insights so the clients i have are people i are mainly people i've worked with before um because they know what i'm capable of but also through networking and you know i'm a pretty heavy linkedin user if i'm absolutely honest um it's i must admit it's getting hard with linkedin to stand out a bit more because there is so much going on and if you you know if you build a community of what typically I don't know 1300 which isn't big
0: yeah. in
1: LinkedIn terms but it's bigger than most <clears throat> you know it's it's hard to f- to find those really useful um insights um from the, sh- the, sh- the, the the a lot of what I consider to be sort of uh, um commentary that's going on um so what I try to do is really sort of work and focus on individuals and get into dialogues with them, and that produces work. Um, I mean, I guess I'm in a, in a in a lucky position for a new, relatively new business, is that I've got one client who I work pretty heavily with who pays the bills, right? And then the other stuff I do is stuff that I enjoy doing, so I can be a bit choosier than I perhaps I would have been. Uh, you know if i had to start with a blank sheet of paper but your 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 question is well made mark because uh you know when you start and you become your own business um you've got you've got to create your own reputation or authority in the market it maybe be slightly different from what you've been doing which is true for me um and therefore the only way i think you can do that is to in a, in a way get out there show your face as somebody said to me this is you know running a business isn't a isn't a sprint it's a marathon so and if you're doing a marathon you need to get the miles in so even in the early days it was about going out and testing propositions talking to people networking and the biggest challenge is you you asked over the last years, physically couldn't do that
2: yeah
1: um so that that hard hardcore networking i was doing probably 18 months ago i wouldn't say i was going to the opening of an envelope but i was being not i wasn't particularly
0: well, i was that was a question i was going to ask david is, is in terms of your networking where would you go to do that what would what would be your approach and strategy
1: well my view is to try try everything and see which works for you um there are all sorts of networking um, organizations in fact there is money in networking per se um that's what i've realized is that there are a lot of people who are building networking organizations Charging monthly fees or in you know individual fees, um, there are so many to join. And frankly, some some are talking to your your own peers, but actually, you want to be talking to people who can um, introduce you into other companies or um, find you other opportunities. So I, you know, as I said, I I, I won't I won't uh, hide the fact that I went out and talked to lots and lots of people to start with, and then over a period of time. I found out those that ones that seemed to work and those that didn't, and therefore I put more effort into those. Um, and that's the way to do it. And there are um, some networking organisations that you might not even feel comfortable with. And I don't know if you you know you know the ones that I'm talking about, but they're uh, they're pretty. You know, um, culty. Well, it feels a bit. That's the word probably I'd use. It's and it's a huge commitment. You know, every yeah. week at the same time um and if if that's your bag then great um just wasn't for me
0: Uh, well uh, much like we've been exploring the sort of networking um and and how to best approach it, it's always nice just to chat about that but it wasn't for me either in truth it's like i'm I'm not going to be able to commit to it so um and i'm not sure how much value i'm going to get for it but i know others that seem to do i know people who've built significant businesses on the back of
1: that because they're in a suite they've found themselves in a particular group yeah. they've got particular proposition that resonates with that group yeah. and um, and it's working really well behind the scenes they would tell me that they don't enjoy doing it but they'll do it because it generates the business, the business so it's yeah. worth it's worth their two hours a week on a Friday whatever it is to go and do that I, I wouldn't do it I don't feel I need to do that um, but it's an important thing to go and see because it might work for you and if it is it could be a very good source of business in the future mm. so my view on networking is try everything I've even been on a networking walk there's a business okay. in Oxfordshire that is now doing walks around the countryside where you network with five or six people and you sometimes find one person that really can connect- I found one person I really connected with and that's really helped so yeah as Mark will know everything in marketing you never quite know what's going to (laughs) land but if you you know if you if you do enough if you do enough at the start um, you can quickly tell what works for you and I would suggest then you you do more of that rather than force yourself to go to things you're not comfortable with
0: okay cool I, I so much want to ask other questions. Now. No, Mark, ask other questions because that's technically questions. For you, so, so ask some questions. Go on, Mark. It's your turn next. I,
2: I, the, we're talking about the networking stuff and, and the the pitch up somewhere and do five minutes on yourself and you know and you know the speed dating type things. They're not for me because I can't possibly describe anything in five minutes. So I've got to take at least five hours. And everybody who's worked with me knows that I can't shut up when I you know when I when I get the stage. So that's I'm true. Shut up. That's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, it it is it is interesting, isn't it? That that um, that you know, it it's it's going back to you know the talk about uh, about those that want to buy from you and those who are in the you know, buying and selling cycles being aligned, yeah. and those that that, that 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 do align with your um, with your philosophy and so on and so forth. And you know, in your case, buying on value, and, and you know, we've got some stuff through, through others that we're trying to help people with, yeah. with with the technology, not not just put the bloody technology in, um, and. Um, it, you've got to. It, it's working at how you sieve the wheat from the chaff. I think you know in in, in that because um, as you say, you, you know you've got to. Sometimes you've got to kiss, kiss a lot of frogs to um, you know to get get to the one that that that, Prince, that, yeah. that, that, that 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 you want. So I been mean, thinking about uh, I probably asked that second question, but I going to ask the third one anyway. So thinking about you know your clients and so on and so forth that you're that you're working with. Yeah. Um, how how do you, how do they fit? How do they, how do people fit in in into that um, that sort of model for you know for for you? And and how do you feel like um, you know your clients have have been um, either supporting you perhaps um, you know through working with them or, or or indeed supporting their own people over the last fifteen, or, well I want to say fifteen months, but it's probably longer now, sixty or seventeen months maybe. Yeah. But yeah, pe- people and and how do they fit into into probably your your, your clients' world? I guess more so because you're you're like a so you know relatively small business.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think this my answer has changed over time on this, so that might be interesting. So in the early days, I thought as um, so long as I could have a good logical argument as to the benefits of using me, either in terms of increased sales or whatever that that would that would really take off and whatever. What I actually found was i'm more successful when somebody has a defined problem and yeah. they've got an issue so it's i've realized it's much easier to solve a problem than it is to promise a future benefit so if you've if you've got if you've got a um, you know you've got a system for example let's talk it in in your guys language if you've got a system that's uh, not working properly it's um it's i think it's personally much easier to sell a fix to that problem to solve that specific issue than potentially to go in and say rip that all out because I'll, I can give you 50% more productivity if you choose this new system. Yeah, because yeah. people think I've got a problem, it's defined. I know what I'm paying for. Um, if you can solve that problem, I can sort of put a value to that and therefore you can move on. If you're promising something of the future, it's like most of the things we buy, do we believe that we'll get that? I mean, the reality is, does anybody ever measure that anyway? I mean, I've been in big corporates where we've had to, uh, um, you know, put together all these cases for a new IT system, uh, you know, down to, you know, figures on improvements or growth or visitors or all that sort of stuff. Been hauled over the coals in terms of the uh, finances, told to tweak a couple of things and then given the the stamp of approval does any everybody come up two years later and said so how was it never happened to me in my whole career it's like we do all this analysis in order to move forward and then we don't even follow up to learn the lessons learned and I it drives think that, me, drives that, me
2: potty David it really does the whole benefit you know the outcome realization piece that the, the problem with here we go, this will probably turn everybody off from every future podcast that we do now. The problem with today's executive is that they're far too quick to move on to the next thing, in, in my view, you know what, if they're gonna do something, let's say it's a good idea, along the lines of what you're just talking about, and any any of those sorts of things, fine. You're doing it because you think it's the right thing at that point in time, yep. it takes you two years to deliver it or, or whatever, make the bloody most of it. Now, if you deliver the wrong thing, fine, learn from it, you know, yep. and, and, and get over it. If you deliver the right thing, don't turn your attention to something else that then just um, substitutes all the bloody good work that you've um, yeah. from all the good work you just put into the thing you wanted to deliver in the first place. Drives me absolutely potted, I, And
1: I, I, think that, I think there's also a human angle playing there, Mark, which I've seen many times, is that sort of when you've got the sign off to do the project, quite a lot of people just switch off and look for the next shiny thing to look at.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: so you know you don't have that continuity and even the managers I mean you know in sales your year ends on the sales year end doesn't it if it's 31st of December January the 1st doesn't actually exist does it because you're being measured on that year and if if you've got a manager who's been managing on that year a project that's going to take two years to deliver is irrelevant in a way because who knows whether they'll be in there to manage it in the first place so I think you need you know leadership rather than management if you like leadership to understand that bigger issue which is why I think many CEOs should spend their time looking at IT systems and I'm surprised how few do because actually if you look at the resources being piled into IT these these days I don't know the exact figures but I would assume it was uh, probably the second most expensive cost they've got in their business after people I don't know, but I would think that it it's probably, is, probably it's, there.
0: It, it, it probably is. It probably yeah. Is. I, I'm, 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 I'm but just but I'm, I'm making an assumption. I don't I don't know the answer yeah, to that. but but,
1: but there's a well, lot a top 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 of, top 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 of top
0: usually people, buildings, and technology.
1: Yeah, there's a lot top of, top of money top. going into IT. Yeah?
0: yeah, but 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 my my, my question there is uh, so so what my experience of this is sometimes someone has a good idea. Let's do a system. Fantastic. All right. Brilliant. Um, and then, okay, they get signed off, and they're going to do it. It then goes from being a business problem to an IT problem, and that's yes. where the that's where the fall down, um, well, well, seems to happen because then oh, so IT's got to take care of that. Now we've given given it to them to do as it as opposed to it being driven or being but it's business. It's all the driven. business. This yes, is what exactly. Understanding, exactly. you know, where does the ownership
1: lies? It sort of, as you say, it gets past the baton, gets passed to the pointy heads, if you like, mm. who go away and build something, and then in you know six months come back and say. You know, here's what we built, and you know that's where agile has come from, isn't it? in terms yeah. of learning that, making that fast. But I think the fundamental issue, and i've I saw this um, before is that you know even when you're trying to build a new system, the people using the system don't understand necessarily how it works or behind mm-hmm. the scenes or how they could improvement improve it. So you know I've seen an example where you know a brand new system coming in, let's go and talk to the users to do the user journey because that's the good Or let's create all these avatars in terms of customers and their journey through for example a website or or that sort of stuff and um, you go and talk to the people who are actually doing the job today and you ask them well how can this improve and they don't even understand your question I think it's you know that you you need to make sure that you can have that conversation I think the same is true with CEOs I don't think they ask the right questions because they don't know enough about it but I does think it comes down
0: to a little bit of culture as well
1: I think it comes think? down to culture and I think it comes down to generations as well mm. I think now there are CEOs who are coming through in their 40s and 50s of big organizations who do understand it because they've been through it they've been through the dot-com they understand the web they've their whole lives with smartphones they get it perhaps some of the older ceos um you know i was i think i was the first year to do my o level with a calculator as opposed to a slide rule god it shows how old i am but it just you know tech tech is i you know i didn't get my first um uh, you know uh, PC or it wasn't a PC but a desktop screen uh, until 1986 so I had seven eight years years of business work without even a computer now that's an impossible thought so I came through a generation Mark you may be the same um oh, thanks well I, I've got a photo of Mark
0: where it you is like that, you seven, like that did you it's like seven, that you like that little dig um but, but, but I think you know who i
1: can remember ceo telling me that he never read emails because he got his pa to 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 print them off
2: yeah
1: Yeah. i had no interest in it and yet they were sinking and i think they were frightened of understanding it because it is a different world i think the people who work in it um have particular skills and that doesn't necessarily match up with people who do business and i think there's a trans there's a sort of translation requirement in the middle to you know to to make those two things work together um and i think that's that's really interesting because i think it's like two tribes but they can't talk they go to war to quote a phrase
2: yeah. you know they
1: they um they they and, and the blame kicks in because you know i thought you were going to do this yeah i'll build that for you but you haven't you know i've built it in this way oh well it doesn't do what i want oh yes it does if you do it using this i think i think to be honest with the amount of money that's being involved you know, C- C- CEOs need to understand that far
0: more. Yeah, I, I I I tend to agree. What you were describing there sounded like a Dilbert cartoon. I don't know if you've ever seen seen those, where the techies talking to the manager as if they're speaking different languages. The yep. manager comes in. I think we need a SQL database, and Dilbert goes back. What color would you like it in? And he says mauve. <laughs> and it's just it's just it is it, is, it is, you've you've kind of. And it's nobody's fault. This is no, the thing. It's, it's I think not, there's, always, there's
1: always a degree of there's somebody's fault. You know, IT didn't hear me, or I didn't, or the IT more saying, "Well, the user doesn't know what they want," which is probably more nearer the truth. Um, it, it's nobody's fault, but the outcome means that you're going to have a system that's not going to satisfy anybody, yeah. and or or you're not building it in a way that you can you can get real value out of it in the future, which is where I come in. Which is okay. Well, you're doing all this. So, what is the outcome that you're looking for? Um, so I think there's there's there, you know, better communications required or a different type of communication actually. I mean, working uh, you know, working with ITs and IT departments, they work in a different way.
0: Yeah, they you they, know. They, they, cer- they certainly can do. I, I, I see that changing quite a lot as when I started out because I I'm a techie by trade and by skills. Um and when I started out, IT was very much a cost center for the organizations that I worked in, as in well, we need email, but as you said, the chief exec of the local authority was having his emails printed out so he could read them at his yeah. desk and so on and so forth. But over the course of time, IT now delivers key business capabilities, whereas before they didn't see it as as yeah. as being the driver of that. Um and there's definitely been a um it's definitely been some shift in lots lots of the organizations I work with where they are seeing the the value the value that it yeah. that it can bring. Um, but there's still a long way to go as well
1: and i think it's very hard to show that value um to the people beforehand there's a degree of a leap of faith isn't there um,
0: yes you're right it is there, there, there is there is a degree of a leap of faith but i guess the easy way to go well, look you're spending this anyway right so you're going to spend that again next year it's not you're not getting nothing on it on your ROI. what happens if you spend half a million more and you might make two yeah uh, you know so, so, so uh, but anyway uh, that's the, well uh, i guess i was trying to lead into the next question really but um, we may have discussed it how how do you use technology and and and, and data perhaps to drive what you do for your uh, for your businesses or do you use it do you look at, yeah. look at any any data to
1: yeah it's it's interesting actually because one of the areas that i i'm doing quite a lot of work in with my clients at the moment is um, related to my work at um the and that's about connected and autonomous vehicles and okay. also telematics so um the the big shifts that are ha- happening now is that um in the uh, in you know a few years ago telematics was seen as a um you know the golden bullet that would solve problems in terms of particular driving behavior you know because you'd get information straight from the car as to what what actions they were taking what driving decisions they were taking and what suddenly became apparent is that people were very good at collecting the data but then it would get stuck somewhere and nobody actually work out how to use it and i'm sure you've seen that in many situations yeah. with with systems yeah we've got a great system but we can't get a report out to tell them, tell you yeah. the most basic stuff what's happened is the whole concept of big data has has been realized because you can see so many industries and so many growing companies that are using data to drive their whole business so what's happened is that's coming now particularly into the tele- 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 telematics industry where people are saying it's not enough just to collect it is well how do we take this data you know transform it into information then turn that into knowledge and then take that into insight and wisdom so you know going up that information tree of value
0: yeah
1: so rather than just collect it there's a lot of work going on bringing different sources of data together and and um, in the business reporting world creating what is described as one version of the truth or one yeah. view of the information in one place so rather it than having to data. rather than having to pull five systems together and stick it in a spreadsheet and then do lots of calculations and then come up with a report you've got a system that does that for you so you can just click a button and you've got the information or you or it displays just the exceptions to the rule rather than the whole information so you can make easier decisions so I see data and and technology being used more and more in terms of related to a defined outcome or something that will benefit the company so I think that's happening um uh, in terms of the broader things I think the biggest thing particularly in the last year has been this whole shift towards a more remote um, workforce yeah. uh, supply chain you know anything I think it's um, it'll be interesting to see as the rules of COVID come down hopefully in the next month or so w- whether we return to form or whether this is we're working in a new world because quite a few of the things that you know some of the trends were already happening before COVID happened and what seems to have happened is it's it's speeded exactly. a lot of those up.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, there's, anecdotally, wasn't that story of somebody saying I was gonna do a replacement IT system in 24 months, I've now done it in the three weeks type of thing yeah. and saying, yeah. you know, and quite often change is driven by adversity. You know, that's, that's the yeah. truth of the matter. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether people return to form, I, th- I think, i think companies have now realized that if if their channels to market or their supply chain or or ability to just communicate on a regular basis is um is compromised in some way then they need systems to support that i mean i don't know if you remember mark we used to have i remember doing a webex back in 1997 you know and then suddenly this last couple of years zoom seems to be a new brand new thing this technology's been around for 25 years but because there's a need there's a value in using it and i think yeah. and that will develop i think you know we'll see zoom for conferences we'll see zoom for networking we'll see you know zoom for podcasts yeah you know, it, it, over a period of time this technology yeah. will give us even more options
0: it's it's interesting what you see with um with, with, with the zoom thing compared to webex because it is old tech but all that's changed with those is is the model whereas having webex in 1997 yeah. i bet was very very expensive yeah. and they tried to maintain that same sort of pricing model whereas with zoom you come in you pay a tenner a month or you use it for free yeah. and then they, they serve ads so it's just, it's just the model that's changed which is which expedited zoom over over the others who were already in the market but with a with a different business model. That's my kind of take on it. And they, you know, they, they've got to, using some new tech in there as well. It's a lot sleeker than, you know, Webex. It's, it's, Webex is fine now, but it used to be quite clunky from from um, from a user interface perspective.
1: Yeah, there was a whole load of sign on issues I seem to remember, and downloading apps onto your PC and all sorts yeah. of things. From what I remember, whereas Zoom, from what I can gather, is purely web web mm-hmm. web based, so you don't need all the stuff on your laptop. Um, I think there's also been a really good marketing campaign there as well, um, because it is now you do a Zoom call. It's a bit like I use a Hoover. Yeah. It is now the default name for a a video call, isn't it? Whether you're using like we are yeah. today Teams or whatever, this could be classed as a Zoom call. So. Um,
2: well, it's a lot easier to say than meeting and Webex and things like that anyway isn't it so yeah you know, but, Zoom, um... your heart goes boom David to get another beautiful uh, <laughs> uh, journey listen I want to ask you something just before we go into the last couple of questions sure. um, if I may it's kind of related to uh, um, not so much the Webex side of things but what we were just talking about a moment or two ago um, um, telematics stuff, gathering data has been around for donkeys, right? The utility yeah. companies and uh, rail track, I was working with them on their SCADA stuff. But, you know, they've yeah. been gathering data, about, know, sewage or <laughs> whether the track's going to break or whatever, for, for a hell of a long time. So I entirely agree with you that a lot of these things um, like the web technology we have just talked about, you know, have been around for a while. And then something happens and it changes the, you know, it changes the dynamic and, and it becomes more important. Um, so I don't know whether this is, you know, relating to your clients or, or perhaps relating to, to what you do in in, in the value. Uh, talk about the value yeah. um, concept. But how much? And think I think about what we we're talking about with the chief executive How much data is enough? So when have you got enough in order to make that decision? Because the example with the business case so is really good because you gather a shed load of data, and at that point in time you make a decision about it.
1: Yeah.
2: But of course, what you want to do really is gather data on an ongoing basis and find a way of making decisions that uh, you know make you collect things better or you or or, or mother things better or improve the service and so on and so forth so how how do you get that and think about you know what you do you you, you go in, you you shine the light on value and they go oh yeah we need to be doing that yeah yeah you know and, and then it then it goes on and how much is enough if you like and how do you how do you balance that need
1: it's difficult it's 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 difficult mark because i remember i did a you reminded me I um, before I met you actually back in the late 90s uh, late, late 80s I did a piece of research with rover cars as it was then and I went in to look at their data and where they got it from and I coined the phrase I've been writing called data blindness <laughs> they couldn't see through the data they had so much data they couldn't actually work out what the hell it meant because you could cut it and chop it and display it in so many different ways they actually created a war room and the idea was that they display all their kpis in this war room and then the managers could come in and in the morning they could look around the war room and see where the issues were within the business yeah. they soon realized that they couldn't work out what it is and what it needed was somebody to take a view of what were the important performance indicators and more importantly the key performance indicators in terms of how they wanted to run their business and it seemed like nobody wanted to do that. They felt that they didn't. It's a bit like marketing. They wanted to do it all, where actually by focusing on a particular area and doing that really well, they'd get an insight. The only way I think nowadays, Mark, is if people don't understand, is to start off with an idea of what it is and then do agile on it and fail fast, isn't it? Just build right. something, see if it works. And then if it doesn't, try something else. Um, and I think the, 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 I guess the ability to manipulate data in ways that you can use is far easier these days than it was 25 years ago uh integrating a systems is far easier because of you know all the apis and stuff that can be set up um but fundamentally it needs to be the leaders of that organization who make those decisions because they're the ones who hopefully are using that information to make decisions for the business um, perhaps it's a bit like the user journeys marks. Perhaps those managers need training in to understand how to develop or how to look for key, you know key performance indicators. what one does one look like? Um, I'm, I'm writing a guide at the moment from one, one of my clients on this very topic in terms of you know if you're running a big organization, what are the things you need to focus? what are the, what are the 10 things, for example, you need in order to have a good enough view of your business? Let's say the eighty twenty rule applies, that you've got a good understanding of how your business is, and you're picking up on the things that are critical to your business. Um, But I don't think that's something a a user or a lower manager can do because they can have an opinion, and they could help build it. But I'm not sure that they they have the authority or the responsibility to do that. I think that's really that's an important part of running a business.
0: And I think that comes to building a data culture within um the organization as well and you can you can do that start small and expand out just like well okay well we're analyzing this look we can make some improvements here perhaps yeah. it's not perhaps it's not value necessary. perhaps it's reducing costs if we if we if we do something slightly different yeah. like, we can save a lot of money off, the, off 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 our cost which is ultimately going to improve the value that we're, we're going to deliver it is difficult though I, I do agree it's, it's you know because it's some of these things they're not cheap but you can start small and as you said fail yeah. early so
1: and I think one ironically one of the things that has helped is GDPR mm. because what GDPR has done is it's forced people to look at the data and how they store it and what they keep and they've realized that if they're going to invest they should look at it as an asset rather than just a load of data around the place and yeah, GDPR has forced companies to do that so I think, you know, I think that has been, you know, while it's a pain for many companies and has stopped s- certain activities that you may are saying on the edge. Overall, I think it's a benefit because it will force people to take data seriously. Whereas before sort of more was best, wasn't it? You know, the, was
2: uh, I, worked, I, I won't mention who, uh, but I worked with a company. Um, FTSE 100 company, financial services company, probably about I guess it was about two years ago now, and. Um, and uh, what was, in, was so encouraging to see is that they had they'd established a proper uh, data governance and data ownership um, group, um, and were very focused on data quality, and you know, and so on. And I'm, I'm no doubt now they're they're focused on getting the value from from that. That they yeah. put the basics in place. Um, uh, so I was really, really encouraged, by, you know, but by, by that um, because it was um, run by the business. What concerns me is that data is perceived as a technical word. And it gets shoved into IT or whatever IT happens to be called within within that organization. Um, and like everything else we've been talking about today, um, you know, you, you don't have that business lens uh, to know when enough is enough or when you've got it, when you know when you need to when you need a bit more. And you and the IT people, you know, they'll keep on doing what they're asked to do. They'll keep on gathering more and more and more and more data and, and not sit back for it and 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 necessarily say as uh, you know look at what it's actually telling them.
1: I, I think you're right and and i think it's a different set of skills mark to be mm-hmm. honest because you need to have a better understanding of the business because you know building a database and sticking data in does anybody care whether the data? so long as the data is accurate in the sense that it doesn't change if you move it from one system to another or something happens to in, in between mm-hmm. you know most of the it guys will say fine that's my job done uh, whereas the business person would be looking at it and say well what does that mean You know, how can I use that information? And I think that's what we talked about earlier is about the two different languages. And I think the more and more that you can bring those two tribes together to work more closely and not have this situation, as you say, where, you know, a decision is made to move uh, to have an IT system (coughs) and then it suddenly goes to the IT department, see you in six months. (coughs) I think the more that that, um, more that we can overcome that type of model, I think... um, more successful IT systems development will be. Yeah.
2: Okay. I think we just need to find a way through this video conferencing thing of, of me giving you a glass of water here, David. So uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you <laughs> want to go and get one David, take a break. Yeah if you need stage, to take uh, you know
2: five or ten seconds do because we can we can waffle I, on for hours. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Do, do, do
0: you need a drink? <laughs> I think I'm all right now. Good. Okay. Sure? All, right. all right well well I, I guess that take that takes us to our favorite time of the show where we, uh, we, we ask the the, the sort of the, the fun questions. And I don't know whose turn it is, Mark, cause I've, I've, I've lost the plot completely as usual. Well, I, right I, 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 I'll ask the first one then, you ask the okay. second. There's two questions here, David, right? And they, yeah. they're meant to be a bit of fun. But I got asked this question myself um on on a podcast I was on earlier this week. Not Obviously not this one. And I stumbled over the answer because I've been asking this question for months now and I've never actually thought my own answer. And the answer I gave you was horrendous um it felt horrendous when i when i when i was given it i think it was all right but um i i, I then give it some thought and i thought oh, that's a better answer and then I'll, I'll share my answer with you after if you want it anyway what what, sure. what my answer should be so the answer is what advice would you give your younger self all right starting out on your career was there any was there any advice you'd give yourself knowing what you know now
1: yes i think i would say um work more in sales I have done some selling but I think exposure at the 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 sharp end is really important in terms of helping you understand that yeah and don't be afraid to um, move industry because although I have done it I've done it three times in effect but in the early days I felt that as I was trained in as an engineer I ought to do an engineering career Mm -hmm and that was my future and it was only after about five or six years I realized that actually far more opportunities were open to me now I think that probably is a sign of the business world in the 80s the opportunities weren't there I think today that's probably maybe even the exact opposite of that and there are so many opportunities for do for doing that but looking back that that did hold me back because I, went to, I was seconded to America when I was 23 and I fe- I, I got involved with CAD CAM in its very, very early days and I came back and I thought I'd like to do that and I, ne- I it took me four or five years to get into the IT industry and I had to do that by going off to do an MBA to give myself the authority to be able to go to IT and say, look, I've got a bit behind me, I know a bit about this stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: so That would probably be what i say is don't close down your options too early Mm. and if you see an opportunity go with your heart rather than necessarily your head because i think what we all find is when we get if you like near to the end of our careers is that we'd like to look back and think that everything we did was enjoyable now you know and and that's the important thing to me and i can genuinely say that most of the time there are a couple of significant exceptions and You'll be glad to know Mark, that wasn't working with you wasn't one of those.
2: Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that.
1: <laughs> but um, you know, I generally look back and think that uh, I've enjoyed it and the fact that I've worked in engineering in the IT industry and then most recently in uh uh driver and automate automotive stuff is, is been good and I'm glad I've had that opportunity. So that's what I say to somebody. Cool.
2: Somebody said uh, something. I can't remember. it was on, this, on on one of these earlier shows or, or whether it was something else that I uh, read. It might have been. Oh, I think it was actually. I think it was Simon Jones earlier on. Earlier on. He said, um, Simon's a, a good mate of mine, he's a tennis uh, tennis coach, and now he's moved into the world um, of, of, of football. Um, he said, uh, it some, was something like, um, you can't always um, work on um, things that you enjoy but you can find enjoyment in what you do. And yes. I thought that's a really quite insightful, you know, uh, point there. So I wasn't trying to pick apart what you were saying there, but I think... No, no, the, I
1: think I think the reality is it's probably a bit of both, Mark, yeah. to be honest. It, there are people, and you hear it always from the entertainment industry, is that I've got a job and uh, it's not really a job and I do this for nothing. And then, you know, there are lots of people in this country who are working at jobs that they find really hard, you know, packaging or... Delivery, I don't know, but you know, things that they wouldn't necessarily choose to do. And I think um, you know, I would I would ask anybody, and my son's at that age where he's coming out with a degree, and I'm trying to say to him, rather than necessarily being myopic in terms of what you can do based on your skills, try and think more broadly than that, because you know, you might find that doesn't work for you or you prefer to work in a different way. So keep those options open. Whereas I didn't think that. I just Mm -hmm. felt you know, I've got an engineering degree. How do I use that? Rather yeah. than thinking, right, I've got a skill set. How do I use that? I guess.
2: Yeah, and I think you know, people, people still buy from people. Um, you know, in, in in today's world, I think that's that's as true today as it was, you know, thirty or thirty odd years ago, and um, probably sixty odd years ago. You know, bef- well well before our time. I'm going to add there on that, um, uh, and. Um, Everybody will tell you, and, and in the IT, specifically in the IT industry, we did. Uh, Gethin and I did something with with my youngest uh, lad who works for Hayes uh, now. Um, and even in the IT industry, there, you know, pe- people would say, "Yeah, okay, fine. When well, you need really to know whether you've got the Microsoft this, that, and the other certification, but actually, can I get on with you? Can you know? Can I can yeah. I work with you? And you're gonna, you know, uh, uh, think more laterally and communicate with me, all those sort of." transferable type skills can you organize yourself you know uh, 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 at least if not more important than the actual explicit um qualification if you like that, that well that you've
1: got i think it's very true I've, I've in recent times i've worked and talked to a few people in the bus industry interestingly enough and they don't recruit bus drivers they recruit people who have good customer engagement skills and then they train them to be a bus driver
2: well, that's
1: definitely changed in the last 30 so, years. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's that type of view which is okay. What what are you what are you know? So I don't know if you remember. Well, I remember going buses in the 70s and 80s, and they wouldn't even stop if you were five yards away from the thing. It was like, well, you you're you're the naughty boy, not me, the bus driver. And I think that's completely changed because there's been this view that who you creep first is people that you can engage with and get on with and then the skills may come second and I think you know as the market for you know quality people seems to be tightening I think that will become uh, more and more important
0: do, do you so think that's that, got something to do with a shift in in sort of work patterns or like just the bus driver example you said in 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 the seventies, I wasn't around then, so I can't possibly comment on no. what buses were like. That I don't even know if they were nationalised then or not, right? But at some point, there may have been a national bus service. I can't remember. I might be I might have that. I might have that completely wrong. But where, with my joke there, what 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 I'm trying to get at is um there has been a shift in how people work, and you alluded to it in what you in what in what yeah. you were saying then, and the, and the sort of functional boundaries have come down. So whereas now, like a bus driver in the 70s, uh, if you drive the bus for eight hours, you will get this, and this is the set of rules, and you follow yeah. these rules, and this is what you do. People think a little bit more uh uh wider than their the, their job now, and they want to get more satisfaction and more internal gratification yeah. for doing for doing work. So stopping for someone who's missed the bus is a nice thing to do. Whereas they might have got told off <coughs> that in the 70s, whereas now it's like, well, I'm yep. this this old, you know, you think about people who use buses now compared to then, because that's probably changed a little bit as well. The old yeah. dealer was who's, who's who's not on the bus stop, it's like, well, I'll stop and let you on sorry I don't mean to be well you want to say all oh, dear but um, no no
1: but I think I think it's important and I think there's two things that have happened that very briefly is one the um the regulatory authorities have got involved and for example I believe it's Transport for London they actually publish customer uh satisfaction um results for each of the bus companies in London based on mystery shopping mm. And the reason I know that is some of our company used to be mystery shoppers. Right. So they used to jump on a bus at a particular stop. They'd watch as the as the journey progressed. And if there was harsh braking or, um, you know, they, they shot off when a, a lady was trying to sit down before she sat down and all those things, those would all be logged and fed back and they would get a lower score. So there was right. then, and basically when you're, when you're in a competitive situation in London for bus contracts, and you come back and your customer satisfaction score is lower than your competition guess who they're going to go with so yeah. that there, there has it's it was a bit of a top on that particular case it was a bit of a top-down thing which yeah. is we need to transform our industry but it has then transformed the way that they recruit yeah so yeah. who knows you know that the the pandemic might uh, create a new situation where things change i don't know but uh
2: yeah, you're, you're quite right. We, we've got to we've got to close off. So I'll, I'll ask the, the 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 next question in a roundabout, or the last question in a roundabout way, if um, if if I, if I may, guess, because we were Go just talking it. there about um, we were actually talking there about what people measure. Um, and I know in contact centres, for example, just to give you another example, they, they, lots of people are now, thank God, stop measuring. You know how many, you know, how long it takes to answer a call, which of course is important. But yeah. what's really important is the service that you're offering during that. You know, and and and, and uh, uh, just to you know little segue um you know the people need to be measuring the value that they're providing not, yep. not the price or the, or the cost of it anyway right so to close the show off david tell us a fun fact about yourself that um that maybe not not that many people know
1: okay um i was a child interviewer on radio four
2: what <laughs> really
1: yeah what, what, what does that mean um david um, you interviewed children I, or you were I, i took past and i uh, well and also i'm in the radio times how's that um so in 1972 i attended a drama class at my local drama school and one day i got plucked out of that and um asked to go and record some of my voice into this machine and a couple of weeks after that i was told that i'd been chosen with a, a another another person a little girl called Beverly who I think was about 12 or 11 to go to three events and interview people at those events
2: oh, so fantastic. I went
1: I went to a stately home uh I went to an air display and I actually went down to Slimbridge and interviewed Peter Scott
2: okay. the
1: uh wild fowl, um and bird um he's very famous in the 70s and 80s in terms of conservation and you know he was doing that um so yeah and then that got um that was recorded and then I was put out on this program called fourth dimension that came out on a Saturday I only did it three times but yeah it was um and I got photographs of me in shorts and I had a very very high voice as well
2: um, Somewhere
1: I have the recording, but it probably um... (laughs)
2: competed with Tiswell, so I I can't say that I ever saw that, David. You know, because that Tiswell was more more, more my. My, my level of, of highbrowness, uh, you know, on that. But maybe talking about transferable skills, um, we'll let, let get in closing now. But maybe you should be doing a Stephen Fry and and, and uh, using your voice to generate to 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 to, um, to sell for people's uh, uh, Kindle books and so on when they want it, when they want it, uh, an audio version of that.
1: Well, do you know, I've tried to do that on vid. You know, going to a studio and try to do video stuff, and it's the hardest thing on earth, Mark. It's just it's really, really difficult, perhaps, you know, I'm much, mu- much better on the sort of free form rather than speaking to a script. But um, no, that's my, if I can find it, I'll send you the, um, my radio times entry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> please please do send that to us, David, please do. Um, I, I, on that note though, I do think that brings us to the end of the show, everybody. Um, Ladies and gentlemen we've been talking to uh, David Richards of Talk About Value David thank you for coming on it's been a very enjoyable uh, very enjoyable chat
2: Thanks
0: Dave Well thanks
1: for inviting me and uh, good luck to you with your um, your podcast thank you